Cleveland Browns are getting ready to take on the Baltimore Ravens for the second time this year. And I had to welcome back Kyle Andrews to the This Is Believe On podcast to talk about it. Welcome back. Good to be back. I'm, I'm excited to, uh, you know, talk about the Ravens and Browns again. Should be a fun one. Yeah, uh, interesting way that this season has unfolded. Um, the Browns are exceeding expectations, at least my expectations, probably expectations of many. And uh, it seems like the Ravens have, uh, they're playing well for, for the most part, but they've, they've stumbled a little bit. Uh, they've, they've dropped off from last year's performance. Right. I, I can definitely agree with that. Um, I think that, you know, as many people in Baltimore see, and I'm, I'm glad Steve Smith pointed out earlier uh, this week is that, you know, the offense has gotten kind of stale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that they've gotten, they've continued to do the same things that they've done before. And some people are like, well, Lamar has regressed. And I don't <clears throat> agree with that at all. You know, I, I think that Lamar has played, you know, outstanding football at times. I mean, yes, he has missed some throws, and I think that he's, you know, that's something he's going to have to work on is this consistency. But I also think that, you know, this offense, the scheme is, I mean, it's it's extremely vanilla. The personnel that they use is the exact same. Mm-hmm. Um, they use a lot of 22 personnel. Um and, you know, people can figure out what the Ravens are going to run. You know, if they're not running it from out of the pistol, they're running it from under center with the same personnel. You know, everyone knows where the runs are going to go. The Ravens run, you know, bootleg play action um, um, on nearly every single one of their play action passes. It's never a, a straight up play action that, you know, helps you read the entire field. So Lamar has to work against, um, you know, when he's trying to throw back to his left side, that takes away the whole left side. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually a, a arm uh, side play action. So, you know, he's rolling out to his right nine times out of ten. Um, so I, I think that this offense has gotten extremely stale, and they need some. They need to change some things around. I mean, especially if they want to beat the Browns. I think, you know, this Browns team is a lot better than, you know, what a lot of people gave them credit going into the season. Um, you know, I think they're playing, they're definitely playing above expectations, like you said. Mm-hmm. And Miles Garrett's a freaking monster. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that needs to be said. He's a monster. He's a, he's a, he's a great player. Yeah. Miles um, Garrett is a fantastic player. Uh, but something that I wanted to, I guess, get your take on is um, the last time, uh, the Ravens offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, had a dynamic offense very similar to this one. was in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick. And when he, they had the breakout year, the second year, other teams kind of figured him out a little bit. And the, the offense took a step back. Do you get the feeling that that's what's happening right now in Baltimore? Yeah, I, I honestly, I think it's the same thing. I think that, you know, we could even see that a couple of years back when, uh, you know, when Tyrod Taylor was a quarterback in Buffalo, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, Tyrod had a pretty great, you know, first season under Roman. And then that second season, he was, you know, a little bit more average, but, uh, you know, it, it never, it never really took off. Like you saw from Tyrod, he goes from having, you know, he had 3000 yards the first two seasons under Roman. He had 20 touchdowns to six interceptions the first year, 17 touchdowns to six interceptions in the second year. And keep in mind, he missed, you know, three games in between those two seasons. So, you know, that's a little bit skewed. And then, and then the third season, he took a, he took a dive down a little bit with, uh, you know, 14 touchdowns. He didn't even have 3000 yards passing. And then he had four interceptions. So, I mean, you know, with this, I think Roman's offense gets extremely stale in the sense of he cut. I mean, I think he he doesn't trust. To me, it seems like he doesn't trust his mobile quarterback to be able to read both sides of the field. And we saw this with Colin Kaepernick. We saw this Tyrod Taylor. Um, he bisects the field by rolling them out to the right. 
-hmm. He runs 22 personnel. Um, And I think with right now with the Ravens, you know, they don't have, I don't think you can run 22 personnel with this, with this offense, because, you know, you have, yes, you have Mark Andrews coming back, but he's coming back off of COVID and he's a, you know, he's a type one diabetic. Mm -hmm. So we don't know how he's going to play. We don't know how, you know, strong he is and how ready he is to return. Um, Then on the other side, you don't, you don't have Nick Boyle blocking anymore. You know, Nick Boyle blew his knee out against the Patriots. uh, And then you have another situation in which you don't have, you know, even like um, you don't have Marshall Yonda. I think that's the biggest issue that the Ravens have seen. They, they haven't had Marshall Yonda. Um, you know, Ronnie Stanley's out for the season. That's another huge blow. Mm-hmm. Um, when you lose all those guys, you lose a, a all pro left tackle, a hall of fame, right guard. You lose one of the, probably arguably the best blocking tight end in the NFL. And then Mark Andrews is coming off of COVID. I mean, I, I just, I think that's kind of hard for your team to, you know, be able to run the ball the same way that they do. But then somehow they have been able to do that. But then when it comes to pass blocking, I think that that makes it even harder. Because I think a lot of times what the Ravens would do in, in the pass blocking schemes, even when Nick Boyle was there, was that they they chip and release mm-hmm. with Nick Boyle. So Nick Boyle would find a way open or, you know, they would come with more pressure because you had a Nick Boyle. And then Mark Andrews would just drop over the middle. And it will leave him open. And I don't think that they have that right now because they have to, you know, they've lost too much. And I think that you don't have the, you don't, you just don't have the blocking tight ends that you did before. You don't have the, you know, all, you don't have the all pro left tackle with a hall of fame, right guard. Although I will say Orlando Brown Jr. has done a, a great job replacing Ronnie Stanley at left tackle, mm-hmm. um, especially in a run game. The run game looks, almost night and day. I think that the Ravens have gotten way better at running the ball as time has gone on, but the passing, I'm just like, you know, it could still use some work. I think that protection wise, they, um, you know, they kind of have to step it up. They look good against the Cowboys. I will say that. Yeah. Um, And then the Steelers game was kind of a throwaway game because so many guys were out. That game was so hard to watch. (laughs) Yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't, you know, you're, you're coming, imagine, I, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, man, if this was any other normal situation, I would have been excited to watch that Steel, Ravens-Steelers game. Mm-hmm. But when I, when I saw that all those guys were going to be out, I'm like, yeah, this is going to either be a really bad game or somehow the Ravens are going to make the Steelers struggle. And it's just going to be the ugliest game of all time, which is exactly <laughs> how it ended up. Because the Ravens didn't, as bad as they looked, it made the Steelers look 50 times worse that they were struggling against this really pathetic group of, you know, I'm I'm not going to say these guys aren't pros, but like, <laughs> it, it's like guys that didn't come off of, they didn't practice one mm-hmm. all week, except for that one day where, they actually had guy a guy get sick um, during that day that they came back to practice. Then you got all the backups. Like I mean, it's not it's not necessarily to say that these guys aren't pros. Like I said, it's just the fact that these guys are coming off of no practice, and you guys are supposed to be a you know an undefeated team, and then you come and struggle against the Ravens who had no practice had. Every, the cards stacked against them, to say the least. And then they, the the Steelers fans and the players came into the game complaining about everything, saying that everything was stacked against them. They tried to work their uh, their starters back, et cetera, et cetera. Why is Jake? I mean, they want to wait till J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram come back. And I'm like, well, Lamar is not there, so there you go. I, I mean, <laughs> if you're swapping out Lamar Jackson for RG3, uh, that's a huge downgrade. Uh, right, exactly. Because... And you, you all would know. I mean, you all had, I mean, Cleveland had RG3, so I mean, it, it's like, 
<laughs> I don't get it. And, and, and he looked exactly the same as he did in Cleveland, which was um, contrary to the uh, words and uh, evaluation of Hugh Jackson, was not good. Okay, the earth was not rumbling underneath his feet when RG three was doing anything on the field that day. <laughs> uh, contrary to what Hugh Jackson tried to say happened during that brief time RG three was here. Um, now going into, I'll, I'll put it this way: following the Browns win over the Titans, uh, I was feeling very confident against um, the Ravens this week. Uh, you know, I'm not very confident, but I was feeling pretty good. I'm like. You know what? They they might be able to you know win this game against Baltimore. You know they have a legitimate chance. Then Baltimore ran the shit out of the ball against the Cowboys. I'm like, uh, dial it back a little bit now because that's the Ravens' offense. I remember <laughs> is what they did to the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, I that's the same thing I could say too. I mean, initially going into this game, I'm like, okay. Ravens need to win. I mean, this this game specifically against the Cowboys looked like the Ravens earlier on in the season against the Browns. Mm-hmm. You know, when they could run the crap out of the ball, you know, running down their throats and just let the they let the Cowboys know every time they were like, yeah, we're running the ball. And then when they did run it, you know, as well as they did, the passing game opened up pretty well too. I mean, Lamar when he needed the pass, made most of his throws. There were some throws that I'm like, dang, he missed those throws. Like, he could have definitely been better in that situation. But the fact that he had two passing touchdowns in that game, Miles Boykin had a, a a very good game. You know, he's a guy that hasn't shown up all season. And then he shows up against the Cowboys and makes them look silly. You know, Marquise Brown, we've, you know, people in Baltimore have been, appalled at the way that he's you know played and his lack of effort on the field after saying that he was a quote-unquote soldier (laughs) and he hadn't done anything he hasn't shown up the entire season and then he shows up in back-to-back games Mm -hmm. I mean albeit in the Cowboys game it was like you know he showed up halfway he showed up in one half and didn't show up in the other half um but those are the kind of things and maybe you know, we don't we don't necessarily know if Des Bryant let's say Des Bryant, I don't think he'll be ready by Monday, but if he were somehow to be ready by Monday, and I that I don't think that's happening, I think that he's coming back with a vengeance because he was so pissed off about not playing against the Cowboys. But that that's a big what if. I think the biggest thing that we do know is the fact that Mark Andrews is back. So you were missing your tight end that could cut through the middle of the field. A guy that, you know, has always been Lamar Jackson's safety valve as, as long as he's played there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also get Matthew Judon back on the other side of the ball. Because I think that pass rush, like like we were talking about before we actually jumped on, the pass rush was horrendous against the Cowboys. You know, they weren't getting any pressure. But now you have Matthew Judon back. You have... You know, I think if I'm not mistaken, Calais Campbell's supposed to be coming back fairly soon. Mm-hmm. If Calais Campbell does come back with Matthew Judon, you have Brandon Williams already back. I think that this defense is way more from formidable than what it was. You know, even going into the past couple, of, I mean, the past couple of weeks they've been awful. Mm-hmm. But I think that that pass rush comes back. Marlon Humphrey can settle in. Marcus Peters can settle in. If Jimmy Smith is somewhat healthy, he can settle in. You know, I think that this is a way better defense than what they had been. They haven't had like a a gigantic slew of season-ending injuries on a defensive side that they've had on offensive side. I think offense, this isn't, this is uncharacteristically, uh, you know, off. I guess, Ravens offense. Mm-hmm. It, this isn't how they would usually look um, because of all the injuries. I think on a defensive side, this defense, they haven't had those like season, you know, those season altering injuries. But the good yeah. part for them is that they're getting so many guys back. And I think that might help them out against the Browns. If those guys, I mean, if, uh, you know, especially if Cole Campbell returns. 
Yeah, and, and speaking to uh, the, de- uh, the Ravens' defense getting some guys back, that's part of the reason why I was like, eh, I'm going to dial it down a little bit about my uh, <laughs> my really good feeling about, uh, you know, on Monday, mainly because, you know, you got Brandon Williams back, you might get Calais Campbell and Judon back, and that's, I mean, listen, this is that's still the same defense that, that smothered Cleveland week one. Like, let's not, I'm not going to forget that. Like, that happened. <laughs> like, the Ravens shut down the Browns' offense in week one, and they blew them out by 30 points. Like, that happened. So I'm not forgetting that. Uh, I, I'm feeling a lot of uh, Browns fans on Twitter are forgetting that, uh, you know, just because that they're, they seem to be rolling right now. They're 9-3, and three, but... This is still the same team that beat the crap out of them week one. So I, I, I do have some concern, you know, because I'm like, okay, they beat Tennessee. That's their best win of the year. But, man, it's until they beat division rivals, just division rivals games are different. And, you know, Baltimore and Cleveland, you know, they have their uh, history between the two teams. So it's going to be different than, you know, beating up the Titans. Right. And I, I mean, I think that's that's the thing that concerns me on the, if I'm the Ravens, I'm like, look at what the Browns did to the Titans and we couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think it, I think the concern goes both ways. I think, you know, on the Baltimore side, they're like, oh, my God, the Browns crushed the Titans. But then on the on the you know, Cleveland side, the Raven. I mean, Cleveland's like, oh, well, this is the same team that beat us. They beat us senseless in the first game mm-hmm. of the season. But both teams, I think, are different teams at this juncture of the season than they were earlier on in the year. So I think you could kind of throw that, you know, that worry that I would have if I – I mean, if you're a Cleveland fan, I think that you should still have some – calls for concern but it shouldn't be because of what they did at the beginning of the season i think it's more to do with the fact that the ravens run game has gotten better as time has gone on mm-hmm. i think that it's the fact that you know matthew Skur or matt matt Skur is not the center anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> i think that you know having patrick Ricari in there um versus a Matt Skura who, you know, had trouble snapping the ball. And as everyone knows, if you're a center and you can't snap, you are going to get benched. <laughs> yeah. And especially if you can't play any other positions. Um, then on the other side of it is the fact that, you know, I think this defense, the Ravens defense, if they, if they do get these guys back, you have, you know, Matthew Judon, you have y- Yannick Ngakwe. You have, uh, you know, Brandon Williams back. Brandon Williams has been out for a good chunk of the season, mm-hmm. and now he's finally back. If Calais Campbell comes back, you get all three of your – this is going to be the first time, I think, in about seven games that you get the all three of your starter defensive linemen out there and Derek Wolf, uh, Brandon Williams, and Calais Campbell. Mm-hmm. Then the Ravens can start mixing up some things. I saw – one thing that really interested me about what they did a couple of uh, days ago in that game against the Cowboys was the fact that they put Derek Wolf as their one down lineman. Mm-hmm. That is a look that I hadn't seen from the Ravens since, uh, you know, um, two years ago, I want to say when I, when I covered the team uh, where they used um, guy, they they mixed it up and would go with one down lineman and then rush a bunch of linebackers instead. Mm-hmm. And I think that that makes them a lot more scary because now you could use Matthew Judon, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, you could use Tyus Bowser. You can mix it. I know Patrick Queen blitzes so much. Like I look at him and I'm like, sometimes you're like, he's so talented. And he makes great plays, but then he just he flies at a hundred miles an hour all the time. He blitzes when he's not supposed to blitz. Mm-hmm. And now you can kind of reel him back and say, "All right, this is what we want you to do. Do not absolutely do not blitz. Or if you do want to go ahead and blitz, we're just going to send you." And then they can drop Matthew Judon back in the coverage, which he's shown that he can do this season. You can drop back Tyus Bowser, or you could bring him in and have him attack. 
you can have Der. I mean, Derek Wolf is going to attack from, you know, if he plays a nose guard position, which I think when we saw on that in that game against the Cowboys, when he did that, he looked extremely effective because he was taking up, you know, two, three guys to block him. So these are the things that I'm looking at on the defensive side and I'm like, wow, the Ravens can truly take advantage of when they get their full slate of guys back. You know, they've they've only had one season in the injury on the defensive side of the ball with Tavon Young, but Tavon Young hasn't played a full NFL season in about three three years. So, you know, it, it's something that they kind of prep for. Um, you know, they, they still have their cornerbacks. They still have their safeties. I think that this Ravens defense, they, they're coming back at the, at the right time. And I think that it can prime them for a run if everything goes well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for Cleveland uh, on the opposite side, they have two important players who may not be playing on Monday, which uh, may impact uh, how that game goes. Uh, Wyatt Teller and Denzel Ward. Uh, Wyatt Teller is placed on the COVID list. There's a chance chance, very minimal chance, that he could be activated before the game. But if not, that means they're going to have to go with somebody else at right guard. And as we've seen from Wyatt Teller this year, he's been sort of a breakout right guard uh, for this team and across the league. But Denzel Ward, if he doesn't play, that is a huge loss for their defense. I know that Lamar Jackson has not had the best season passing the ball. But if Denzel Ward's not playing, that's going to make things a hell of a lot easier for him. I mean, I, I I truly, I definitely agree with that. I think that, you know, I will say this, though. The Ravens receiving core hasn't been anything to, you know, call home about. Mm-hmm. I think that this Ravens receiving core, you know, with, I mean, we didn't see Devin DuVernay get involved last week and then we also have to remember if uh you know willie sneed's still out right now as we speak if willie sneed can come back like i think yes you know maybe the browns have to worry a little bit but i think i mean i'll be completely honest with you willie sneed has been the ravens most consistent receiver this season Mm -hmm. you know yes marquise brown can make those splash plays yes miles boy can occasionally gets involved in the passing offense. But honestly, I mean, Willie Sneed's been the guy that if you need him to go get that first down, he's out there going and grabbing that first down. If you need him to, you know, go across the middle and take a blow, he'll go ahead and do that. I don't feel that. I I don't feel at all that like Marquise Brown and, and Miles Boykin, the guys that you really need to worry about, truthfully. I mean, I, I, I they're not, they're not the biggest splash guy. And I, I think Miles Boykin's a great guy, but I mean, he has, he disappears for like eight games, and then you know he'll, he'll stand out, mm-hmm. which is what happened. And he had one cat. We have to remember his game that he quote unquote stood out, and he had one catch for thirty-eight yards and a touchdown. That, that was against Dallas. He only had one catch. He's had 15 total catches this season. That That's not going to cut it. You know, and that's just proof that he can't get open. And Marquise Brown, I mean, my goodness, this guy, like, does not run. He doesn't run routes hard. You know, for a guy that had been training during the offseason all the time, we, we saw nothing but Hollywood Brown, uh, you know, hype videos all year. <laughs> And what did he do? He didn't do – he hasn't – he's barely done anything. I mean, 12 games, 41 receptions, 555 yards, and four touchdowns for a guy that talked about, you know, how much he trained during the Mm offseason. I'm just like, this isn't going to cut it. And ironically enough, he's actually on pace to have a better season than he did last year. But after all that talking, we expected a little bit more than what he's been doing. So, I mean, plus his catch percentage, I mean, he's only caught 54% of his ball. So, I mean, like, I just don't think – I don't think the Browns, even if Denzel Ward is out. Like, I mean, (laughs) 
I just don't think this is a cause for concern for them. I, I don't think the Ravens receiving core scares me so much if I'm a defensive coordinator that I have to plan around one guy outside of Lamar Jackson and mm-hmm. and or or Mark Andrews. I would say those are the two guys that you truly have to plan for. The rest of them, I'm you know, they're filler. Yeah, the the key to I guess what the Browns defensive game plan is gonna have to be is stopping the run because if there's one thing we've learned is that it is possible to run against this Browns defense. And that happened in their game against the Raiders, where the Raiders ran 71 total plays. They ran Josh Jacobs 31 times. They dominated the clock, 37 minutes of possession time. The Browns had six possessions the entire game. Okay, so if that's what... They need to prevent that from happening again. Uh, I have a feeling the the Ravens' offense is a little bit more dynamic than what the Raiders put together that day. Uh, you know, some of the reason the that game played out the way it did was some of the awful weather that was taking place in Cleveland on that day. But it's the rushing attack they need to concern themselves with because they can be run on, and it just it's not something that happens all that much, but. If the right game plan is installed, they can they can get beat with the rushing game, and the Ravens have uh, plenty of dynamic rushing threats on their offense. Not just Lamar Jackson, but you know J.K. Dobbins as well. Oh well, this this just then as we uh, as we just talk about you know the Ravens receiving core, um, Des Bryant actually just tested negative back to back. Oh, so he had a false positive in the Cowboys game. Um, I I think you know that I, that might change things a little bit because I think Des Bryant. One thing that I will say that the Ravens did with Des Bryant that I really enjoyed watching was the fact that they were giving him ten yards of cushion. Um. And when he got that 10 yards of cushion, I mean, he was catching passes. I know they were only little five-yard passes, but those add up over time. And that uh, that kind of stretches the defense down the line. So, I mean, wow. I, I mean, this kind of changes things. If you get Des Bryant and Willie Sneed back, I think that, that helps out a lot. That does help out a lot. Um, you know, Des Bryant, obviously not the dynamic player he used to be, but he can be a – he can be used as a you know a big bodied inside slot receiver type, honestly, uh, and just have him go up against linebackers or smaller defensive backs because he's either going to outrun the linebacker or just you know uses you know his physical uh, presence that he has over a, a safety or a slot corner to just you know kind of essentially post up on him and be able to get a, a, a make himself open. <laughs> and keep the defender away from him. So if they can get Des Bryant and use him sort of like that, it's going to cause problems for uh, the Browns' defense on Monday. I was about to say Sunday, but Monday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I think this adds a added dynamic to, you know, the Ravens' offense. I mean, Lamar Jackson was able to kind of expose uh, – you know, some some flaws in the way that other teams played Des Bryant. I think when, once they started using him a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, it it allowed for the Ravens to kind of go a little bit further deep. Um, I think that that uh, you know, I think it was a Titan. Yeah, if I'm yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it was the Titans game where you know they were giving Des Bryant little small cushions and. Uh, allowing him to get seven yards of reception, which, like I said, over time, it adds up. You know, if they want to give you – if they want to give you four catches for 28 yards, like, just take it. But it's going to it's gonna allow other guys to get open, Um, you know, like Willie Sneed, like Mark Andrews, like, you know, Hollywood Brown when he decides to actually take a hit sometimes instead of folding his arms up. <laughs> And acting like a, a a belligerent child, like I, I don't I don't get it. I mean, I, I think that he he has he has so much talent, but he I think so many times you know we see it with a lot of receivers. If they don't get the ball every single play, mm-hmm. they start losing their mind. 
And I mean, you guys know all too well, you have Odell Beckham mm-hmm. in Cleveland. <laughs> I mean, if, if you don't give those guys the ball, even, even the guys that might not be as great as who you think, I mean, as what they think they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, they start complaining about not getting the ball. Hollywood Brown is a perfect example of that. Or Marquise, he hasn't earned the title of Hollywood back. And I don't <laughs> think he, he will if he continues to play like this and continues to play like he's a, you know, a, a 37-year-old version of Deshaun Jackson because that's how he's playing right now. And, it, and it's like, man can you please step up for two seconds? You know, he is, he does occasionally. It's like, okay, you get bursts, but play a little bit harder to start the game off, please. Mm-hmm. Don't wait till the last second. And I, and I think that's something about Hollywood that he, you know, he just doesn't do. He doesn't have a motor that goes the entire game. You know, when the Ravens had Steve Smith, Steve Smith, had a motor that went the entire game. Anquan Bolden had a motor that went the entire game. Mm-hmm. Derek Mason had a motor that went the entire game. Marquise Brown isn't built like those guys. And I don't I don't know why it is that the Ravens can't draft receivers that had that kind of motor, that kind that had that kind of, you know, mental fortitude to step up and play angry all the time and play like somebody stole their lunch money. <laughs> Or, I mean, I, I just don't get it. I mean, that, so, you know, maybe, maybe I think with Des Bryant, I think that that kind of opens things up. You know, as long as uh, Miles Boykin and Marquise Brown don't start alligator arming, uh, you know, catches. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll see. Well, uh, but between the, the two Hollywoods that will be taking the, the field on Sunday, would you rather have Hollywood Higgins or Hollywood Brown? Well, I have to. I'm gonna have to review. <laughs> uh, uh, f- first things first. Did you know Rashard Higgins' nickname was Hollywood? <laughs> I had no idea that Rashard Higgins' <laughs> nickname was Hollywood. <laughs> uh, every time he scores a touchdown, they roll out a red carpet for him, and he rolls down the red carpet, and they all pretend to take pictures of him. I lo- I, lo- I did love that video the other day with. Uh, with Baker Mayfield sliding in and then doing a spin and mm-hmm. then he acts like he starts taking pictures. That was amazing. Yeah. That, that... might've been one of my favorite, uh, you know, touchdown celebrations of the entire season. Yeah. So if, if Hollywood Higgins scores a touchdown, they will roll out the red carpet and they will, uh, pretend to take pictures. That's his signature, uh, touchdown celebration. Um, Probably one of the lower profile players with a signature touchdown celebration. <laughs> uh, by the way, um, now let's let's talk specifically about this Monday's game. Uh, it, what do the Ravens have to do in your mind um, for them to come out on top? They have to stop the run game. I think that's that's the biggest thing. You know, that's priority number one, two, three, four, five. And then mm-hmm. I think priority six is stopping Baker Mayfield on a play-action passing game. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, Baker, what he did against the Titans, I'm like, man, I pray that if I'm the Ravens' defense, I'm praying that, you know, guys aren't biting too much. Yeah, because I, I think that's how that's how the Titans got burned. But I also think I'm I'm looking at it like, uh, you know, the Ravens cornerbacks are also better than the Titans cornerbacks. Yeah, the but Titans the same secondary time, is not great. Oh yeah, absolutely not. And but I will say though, Marcus Peters freelances so much. We've known this about him for the longest time. He freelanced when he was with the Rams. He freelanced when he was with the Chiefs, and now he's freelancing with the Ravens. And the Ravens are kind of getting burned by it occasionally. And I think that that's the thing that they would have to worry about. If I were the Ravens, I would kind of change up the way that they run things with their defense. I would have, you know, to me, I think you have to have Marlon Humphrey following their best receiver. Mm-hmm. So I think that at, with that being said, you have to have him follow Jarvis Landry. I mean, it just has to happen. It cannot be, you know, you cannot have a situation 
where Marcus P or where Marcus Peters is on Jarvis Landry because he freelances and let's say let's say to bring out that uh you know that pass that they brought out with on a wide receiver reverse we know it's a possibility I don't think Marcus Peters Marcus Peters isn't going to try to tackle Jarvis Landry whereas Mar- Marlon Humphrey of course is going to try to blow up Jarvis Landry mm-hmm. and I think that you know that kind of intensity is absolutely needed against this Browns receiving core. Like you can't, you can't let them start, you know, getting open and start making plays because once they start chipping away at you, I think that's when things start getting ugly. I also look at the tight end situation with the Browns and the fact that, you know, we at the beginning of the season we thought Njoku was going to get traded. And then somehow against the Ravens, he always, always steps up against the Ravens every time. And that concerns me if I'm Wink Martindale, uh, Ravens defensive coordinator, because Patrick Queen hasn't been great in coverage this season. Mm -hmm. You know, so do you put Patrick Queen on Njoku or Austin Hooper or, you know, do you, do you try to mix it up with different guys? Do you get LJ Fort in there to, to kind of defend those guys along with Deshaun Elliott? To me, I'm putting – I'm getting Elliott involved on on that level. You know, maybe maybe a Chuck Clark. Um, but, you know, <laughs> Patrick Queen, I love him to death because, I mean, he hustles every play. But, you know, he – I think his problem is that he overruns things. And that's just rookie – I mean, that's just him being a rookie. Like, he'll learn. But, you know, those are the things that I'm like, man. That And that's just the passing game. We haven't even gotten to the running game. And I think running game is priority one, two, three, four, five, like I said before. Mm-hmm. If you cannot stop Nick Chubb, you are in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> you, if you can't stop Nick Chubb, you're, you're, you're pretty much screwed there. Because, I mean, he's he's just so good. Um, and when they get Nick Chubb rolling, that's when they're actually able to use Kareem Hunt in any sort of productive capacity, which just makes the rushing attack that much better. Uh, as we saw with uh, when the team was without Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt was not great in that role. Uh, his numbers were not fantastic. As you, you see the clear difference in talent running the ball between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. <clears throat> but uh, to your point... Uh, David Njoku has one catch in the previous four games, and that came last week against the Titans. <laughs> <clears throat> Just so you uh, are aware, uh, Mr. Njoku has, let's see, nine catches for 107 yards on the season. Two touchdowns. One of them came against the Ravens in week one. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly <clears throat> what's the con- where the concern stems from. But uh, he's not... He's not logging necessarily high snap count numbers. He's only hit the 60% mark twice. But uh, tight ends, it's definitely definitely going to be a, a key part of the offense, even if they're not necessarily being thrown to all the time. Um, they're at least going to be there, which is going to make the defense have to account for them. Um, for the... Uh, for the for the Browns, looking at the Ravens, the way I see it is that they're going to have to, uh, one, stop the run. Sounds familiar. It's what the Ravens are going to have to do against the Browns. But uh, make Lamar Jackson throw down the field and outside the numbers. Um, that just, just seems to be the two areas where he is not as proficient in. It seems like he thrives with the shorter passes over the middle to the tight ends, which against this defense will be open. So... Try and take those away and make him throw deep. Although it will be a bit of a challenge considering throwing it deep means Andrew Sandejo is going to have to be involved. And he has been horrendous this year. Um, I don't know if you've paid attention to anything popping up on Twitter during a Browns game when Sandejo is playing. But every time there's a play and he's in the vicinity, everybody curses out Andrew Sandejo. Uh, it's quite entertaining to watch unfold on Twitter. Uh, he tries. He's playing as best as his ability. But there was a reason that uh, I was concerned with him uh, being the starter 
in week one, and it was because he's someone who shouldn't be playing a high amount of snaps, and he's played a ton of snaps this season. Um, I can find out an exact number in two seconds. Hold on. But he's played a lot this year. Um, yeah, there's been two games this year he has not played 100% of the snaps in. <laughs> and that was against uh, the Texans in Week 10 and against uh, the Bengals in Week 7. But they also had other safeties to, to, you know, to use and choose from. Uh, you know, Ronnie Harrison was playing really well to require him from the Jaguars, but he got hurt with essentially a season-ending injury. Uh, Carl Joseph can't stay healthy either. So you're essentially running out of options. It just seems like Sandejo is destined to happen whether we want it to or not. <laughs> yeah. And I th- I think, you know, that that's the thing. If they if if he is the starter, <laughs> I think that with Mark Andrews coming back, if Mark Andrews plays anything like the Mark Andrews that Baltimore loves, I think that that'll be a problem for the Browns. Because, I, I mean, it it even came – I mean, it, it was so evident to me watching, you know, Mark Andrews – I mean, while watching the Browns play, when you always talk about Sandejo, I mean, I think the Browns – you know, the, Raven, the Ravens do still have one tight end left. And their tight end happens to be a guy that, you know, people think or thought coming into the year was a top five tight end. I still think that I think some people are like, well, they kind of fell off the Mark Andrews train because his productivity hasn't been high. I still think he's one of the best in the league. And if you have to match him up (laughs) with the free safety and you already have issues across the middle with, you know, tight ends, I think that he he becomes a, a huge threat for the Browns. Now, I also think that you know, like we said before, Des Bryant can be that guy that goes across the middle and starts thrashing people from the inside. Mm-hmm. You know, so those those two situations, I think, with those guys, with Des Bryant being a, a big body receiver and Mark Andrews being that guy that has always, you know, bullied tight end, I mean, bullied uh, linebackers, I think that, you know, you have to give those guys that opportunity to go in there and start wreaking havoc on the Browns defense. Now the running game, I think that, you know, we'll see what happens, but, uh, you know, I, it's just like, I, I think that, I think that they need to, they need to let JK get those rushing. I mean, he needs to get those rushes. Like mm-hmm. you can't take the ball out of his hands. Um, it was one point during the Cowboys game where J.K. Dobbins had five rushes for 51 yards, and Greg Roman just decides, "Oh, huh, I guess Gus Edwards exists. We maybe we should use him a little bit more." <laughs> Gus was great. Don't get me wrong; Gus had some great runs, but it was like, "Why are you using him now? Like, where? Why are you not running with the hot hand?" You gotta just run with the hot hand, and I don't think that the Ravens do that. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Nick Chubb during his rookie year uh, when Hugh Jackson was still the coach. He had three rushes for 105 yards and two touchdowns, and what turned out to be a loss to the Raiders. Um, but that was when Carlos Hyde was still the main running back on the team, and Duke Johnson was also here, but. Chubb rips off three big runs, yet they ran Carlos Hyde 22 times. So <laughs> that just sounds a little bit uh, familiar in that regard. But uh, stopping Baltimore's rushing attack, I was not necessarily feeling confident about it, but I felt better about it before Wednesday or Tuesday when they played last. Um, don't feel so good about it as of now because of what they did to Dallas. And the the one thing Cleveland's going to have to do is make sure, or do their best, because making sure and preventing it's just not going to happen, do their best to minimize the impact of the Ravens' pass rush. Because, as we know, it's basically in their DNA. The, the Baltimore Ravens are a team that can pressure any quarterback 
usually easily and make him play not that good. And there's one thing that we've found out this year. It's that Baker Mayfield's an inconsistent quarterback. He'll have a game like he had against the Titans. And in between, he'll be very mediocre. And it's going to be important to do what you can to not have him be mediocre and play closer to what he did last week. I'm not sure that he can. I'm not sure if he will. But I would feel a lot more comfortable if they're throwing the ball and Baker Mayfield isn't running for his life. <laughs> right. I I can I can definitely understand the sen- sentiment and I think that you know, I think that the Ravens key to stopping Baker Mayfield is getting them in a situation where they have to throw the ball 40 times. Because, I mean, if Baker Mayfield throws the ball, it's almost like the Joe Flacco experiment. You remember Mm -hmm. when Joe Flacco, if he threw, if we knew in Baltimore, if Joe Flacco threw the ball more than 40 times a game, the Ravens were losing. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily because of Joe. It was because you knew that if, if your quarterback had to bail you out that badly that you had to throw 50 times a game, and that's not like, what your team is centered around like the Raven. I mean, the Browns are not a team that throws the ball 50 times a game. I mean, yeah, the, you're, you're right. I mean, the Ra- and the Ravens <laughs> are not a team that throw. I think, I think both teams, if they get their quarterback throwing 40, 50 times a game, now you're like, Oh, well, we might have a chance to win it. So I think if the Browns can do that, I, I think if you get miles Garrett, miles Garrett, man, I, I can't say enough about him. That guy is one of the most talented defensive ends that I've seen in a very long time. And I, I just have to give him his credit. Um, and that that's a guy that I'm like, man, if they line him up against anybody on a Ravens offensive line currently, mm-hmm. it'll be a nightmare, I think. I, I don't, it doesn't matter how great, you know, I think Orlando Brown Jr. has played amazing in the absence of uh, – Ronnie Stanley, mm-hmm. but if Ronnie Stanley isn't there, and you have to go up against Miles freaking Garrett, it's gonna be a problem. So I think Lamar is gonna have to make some quick reads. He's gonna have to make. I think quick passes are gonna be the the most important thing that the Ravens could try to accomplish, and then they're not gonna be able to run the ball to the outside as much. So I think this will, this might be a Gus Edwards game where Mm -hmm. Gus runs up the middle. Because I think if the Browns, you know, run into the outside, it's just not going to happen against them, I don't think. At least not Um, in the direction of of Miles Garrett. Uh, Right, exactly. If if Miles Garrett's on the sideline taking a breather, or if he's on one side of the the, the line, yeah, run it to the opposite direction or where Miles Garrett usually is. Because I can tell you right now, the person playing in his spot is not anywhere near the ability of Miles Garrett. Um, <clears throat> I will say to your point the, the, that these teams are not passing teams, uh, Odell Beckham is still fifth on the team in receptions with 23. Okay? And he is still third on the team in yards with 319, and he hasn't played in quite some time. So, <laughs> not passing team. Definitely a, yeah. a, a running, a, you know, a run-oriented offense. Uh, it's going to be about whether they can make it so, or this, is, this applies for both teams, really. Uh, make it so the passing game is secondary. Oh, well, not more Ravens news. Willie Sneed's activated off the COVID-19 list. And look at that! So, and you just got some some good news for the Ravens for their passing offense. Uh, Willie Sneed's bound and guaranteed to catch a touchdown pass in front of Andrew Sandejo now. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Andrew Sandejo is going to give up a big play on Monday night, and you'll you'll be there and be like, "Yep, I knew it was going to happen," because it always yeah. happens. <laughs> This is this is a, a pretty good development for the Ravens. I mean, they've now probably had two guys that they really needed, I think, in this game against the Browns. Um, back more than – I mean, they needed those guys more than anything, I think. Um, 
you know, I, I think they could have gotten away. They can still get away without having Calais Campbell, although I think Calais Campbell is, you know, if you have him back, I mean, I think that completely changes the face of this, uh, of this game. Um, just getting, you know, one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL back. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens on that front. But like I said, if, you know, with Willie Sneed back, I think that that changes a lot of things for sure. Yeah, it, it opens up the, the passing offense for Baltimore a little bit more. Not that they need to pass, not that they should be passing heavy, but if they find themselves in a situation like the Titans found themselves in last week where it became time to pass, it's going to be a little bit easier for Lamar Jackson. Um, any uh, any final thoughts you have here about uh, about Monday? Um, I think ultimately it's going to be a, it's going to be a hard fought game. I think most divisional games are, um, you know, so I think, I think whoever wins, it'll be a, it'll be like a three point game. I think it comes down to a, uh, to a field goal to say the least. And I will say that, um, I I don't know if, if the Ravens have, had this issue, but if the Browns are going to come up on, out on top, they're going to finally have to play a full four quarters of football because that's something they still have not done yet this season. Uh, yeah. Because against the Cowboys, against the Titans, they raced out to really early big leads, and the game was settled by less, <laughs> less than optimal uh, circumstances with the score, considering that uh, both teams actually had chances to win that game late. Uh, they beat Dallas by 11, but it was within a touchdown at one point, I believe. And they only beat Tennessee by six points after being up 38-7. to So, <clears throat> playing a, a full four quarters of football would be key for the Browns. Yeah, I, I, I truly, I definitely agree with that. Same thing with the Ravens, even though the Ravens have shown that they can play kind of a, a mediocre game and still win. Mm-hmm. But I think this Browns team is too good of a team. Isn't that crazy to say? Yes. <laughs> this Browns team is too good of a team to, to like, sleep on. I, I just, you know, I, I truly, I'll say this. I've I've seen what the Browns could be for the past two seasons, ever since they drafted Baker Mayfield. And this is the most cohesive that they've looked at since that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that this Browns team, you know, even without Odell Beckham, they're looking, I mean, and what are they, nine and three? Yep, they're nine I and mean, three. Come on now. Like, this team is, <laughs> this team has a chance. I mean, we're looking at a Browns team that truly has a chance to go 12 and four. Yeah, and in I, any other year, this would be good enough for them to to win the division. I, yeah, I mean, the Browns are going to be in the playoffs this year. Like, we got to give them their credit. And let's let's be honest here. Not that I mean, some stuff's going to have to you know go the Browns' way and go against the Steelers, but it's it's in play. The AFC North yeah. title's in play thanks to them losing to Washington. That I don't think yeah. anyone saw was going to happen. Pittsburgh does have a couple games on their schedule where they could lose. They play the Colts. They play the Bills. Those are both losable games for the Steelers. Then if they were to lose two of their next three, Bills, Bengals, Colts, the Browns do the unthinkable and win out. It would come down to a Week 17 matchup for the division instead of the usual Pittsburgh pulls all of their starters and beats us with Mason Rudolph. Yeah. Miserable, right? <laughs> yes, because <laughs> I've I've seen them do that many times. That's that was the final game of the Owen sixteen year. The Steelers didn't even play their starters. So I'm I'm just used to the everyone pulling their starters, getting ready for the playoffs. But there is a situation where the Browns could actually be playing for the division title, and that's something that I did not foresee happening at all this year. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it, it's 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 just funny how things change and how uh, you know life kind of throws you some curveballs and sometimes those curveballs you hit. <laughs> and I think the Browns have hit 
a good chunk of those curveballs this season. I think that the Browns have turned into 300 hitters, um, which is which is scary to think about for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. You know, now you have two, you have two three. Well, I think the Steelers are, are batting like 380. <laughs> <laughs> where, where I mean, you know, the Ravens are still respectable. They're batting, they're batting a solid 280, 275. But mm-hmm. you know, the Browns are 300 hitters. Like they. They truly look like all stars right now, and I think that that's the thing that causes some concern in Baltimore. But with the Ravens getting all those guys back, as even though their record says seven and five, mm-hmm. I think with all these players back, it makes them it it makes them better. I think if they had these guys through that through that time, I think that that would have made them. I mean, especially the Patriots game, like we saw that consistently mm-hmm. they could not stop cam newton from running the ball cam newton thrashed them up the middle completely manhandled them and now you have brandon williams back and if you get Coleus campbell back i think like i said that completely changes the way that this ravens defense is you know it's not the same ravens defense without brandon williams without Coleus campbell without Derek wolf without matthew judon even though matthew judon you know, dives into things head first at a billion miles an hour and gets at least three penalties a game from, you know, doing something crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> from, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there is one helmet, the helmet call against Matthew Judon hitting Baker Mayfield. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's something, something boneheaded is going to happen. Even though I think Matthew Judon's smart guy, not, he's not stupid. I just think that he plays, he just plays at a billion miles an hour. That's typical of the Ravens defense. Mm-hmm. I think that they need to, you know, reel themselves back in and say like, look, we got to focus. So, I mean, ultimately I, you know, like I said, I'm, it's going to be a different feel to this Ravens Browns game than there usually is. I think this is going to be more akin to what the Ravens and Steelers usually feel when they go against each other. Yeah, this is this. This should be, should keyword should, should be a much more competitive game than Week One's contest. Um, the one thing I will be monitoring up until Monday is whether or not Wyatt Teller plays. Because if Wyatt Teller does not play, that's going to have a serious negative impact on the rushing attack, and it would tip things a little bit more in Baltimore's favor. And um, you know, with that being said, what, what's your? I want to hear your uh, your prediction for the game. Uh, basically, it's if Wyatt Teller plays, I think the Browns can squeak out a win. If Wyatt Teller doesn't, I think that's gonna uh, hamper the offense, and it's going to uh, they'll lose by not a lot, but they'll they'll lose by enough. Where you'll see his impact. So it's it's literally if if Teller's active, I think the Browns win. If he's not active, I think they lose. Yeah, I, I kind of have a similar feeling with the Ravens. I think that you know personally, like I like I've told a couple other people, I think the game is a twenty seven twenty four game. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever is whatever way that scales tip, I think that that depends on you know guys coming back. If if Calais Campbell comes back, I think the Ravens actually win by more than that. Um than that three point margin. I don't think it'll be a blowout, of course, but I think it'll be more of a touchdown game than it is a field goal game. Um but I, I still think, you know, right as of right now, I think the Ravens I'll give them the twenty seven twenty four advantage in this game. Um but I, I still think it's gonna be a really hard fought game regardless of you know who wins I, I just think this it's going to be it's going to be one of the best Ravens Browns games maybe the, the best Ravens Browns game that I think we could ever hope for you know this will be this will be extremely fun and I can't wait to watch it on Monday night it should be a fun one um, win or lose what I'm basically hoping to see consistency from the offense and hopefully somebody does something on defense that's not Miles Garrett. <laughs> uh, you know, Miles Garrett's going to do his thing. 
I need someone else to step up and do something as well. I can definitely can definitely relate to that, <laughs> especially on the Ravens side with uh, you know getting Yanni Kengakwe going because uh, people have been waiting to call his name all season for a sack. Mm-hmm.